0: We acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land as the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging. See, that's a red flag. (laughs) It's a red flag. I wanted to talk COVID real quick first. So so yesterday we had like way, way lower numbers or whatever, right? And (laughs) that's good. And then I saw another article that said that like 99% of the cases came from a, um, came from like the hotel shit, which is, you know, where basically they had the hotel guards fucking the infected women who had come from overseas, blah, blah, blah. And then that's what spread it into the community. That to me was like very, very good news. Like up until this point, I haven't been very hopeful, but that, that news made me feel very hopeful for the future. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, definitely, because it seems like it was like a single slip up um, that we can like point to to blame, and like if we just don't do that again, maybe we're in a much better place. That's
0: a, yeah, that's exactly what what I'm thinking. Like, if yeah, if it's if it's one thing that we fucked up, then that means if we get rid of that, then we're basically where the other states are, which is that we're in and out of some level of lockdown where we have to sort of slow up and speed uh, speed up and slow down what we're doing, but we're not we're not having to do this crazy shit so we could be what sydney is what what you know wellington is we can kind of do all that kind of stuff and that and we're all right because before i was like no nah, we're 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 pretty much fucked forever like there's no i, I don't understand how we get out of this whereas this it seems like okay well if we have some social distancing and things like that in place the spread actually can be relatively manageable and we can kind of live in a slowed down version of what society was before for a, a relatively indefinite period of time until a vaccine is created so we can all work from home we can never have big parties maybe we can't go to bars and do concerts but we can go to restaurants here and there we can have you know dinner parties we can do something you know like like close to society but maybe closer to what like a small town experience would be and then we can go out into the world and and be all right because before i yeah I, I just didn't think that shit was possible
1: yeah i mean like i've always been pretty optimistic about about things and and if, yeah, taking your kind of skepticism about what the future is going to look like as somewhat unwarranted. So, but, I, but I've always kind of like thought that, yeah, maybe I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe I'm being too thick of a silver lining to it. But yeah, I mean, so for me, it's a bit more like, oh, yeah, that, that's some good news. I was expecting some good news. So, so that's all good kind
0: of a thing. You're now studying computer science, right? So that's your, that's yeah. your functionally your background for the moment. Is that, is that the idea? Okay. So I still think that your optimism is, is unwarranted. And this situation is closer to like a broke clock being right twice that you just sort of ignore all the evidence to the contrary. And then at some point things end up being all right. You know, like you're in a burning Mm -hmm. house, but the firefighters do show up and you're like, see, it was all, it was fine. It was never that big of a fire. Um, because from, from our conversations, it seems like you don't really stay up on what the fuck is going on half the time.
1: (laughs) That's true. That is true. Um, So, okay, the the way I think about it is, like, if we were in, like, a really serious, so if if Australia suddenly had, like, an Ebola crisis, something worse than Ebola, um, I still think that I would probably be thinking, oh, yeah, it'll be all right, and then I'd be one of the first people to die. I
0: yeah as as uh, Africans are not good with that Ebola shit. I don't know why y'all keep y'all struggle with that shit. It's like super difficult to spread. Hey, I don't know don't, why it's don't an put issue. It all
1: together. I'm on the east coast. We, don't, we didn't have that problem.
0: How many times you had malaria, Ash? Um uh, I don't know,
1: three or four times, five, five?
0: Exactly, man. Get y'all shit together, Jesus Christ. Malaria ain't that bad.
1: But but no, so but no, but you my, my, my point is that like I feel like we live in a society that, um, that has the firefighters. So it's like, yes, my house is burning down, but I, I, I know that the firefighters are them. I know that the firefighters aren't gonna like make me pay a bribe to put out the fire. And so like, I, I guess I have trust in, in the systems that we've, we've come up to do with some of these things. Hmm,
0: now, now look, that's a very good point. I mean, for one, because I'm, I'm semi inclined to agree with you. Like within some margin, because I think about this all the time. I'm like, the the how limited my fucking brain is. Because I like, I'm I'm relatively clever. I'd say I'm you know like on the upper half of of you know intelligence. Like yeah. I'm, I'm not stupid. However, like even if I were like twice as smart as I am now, the 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 limitations of a single human brain are so fucking much. I was like, you know, you, you watch a video about economics or Moore's law or whatever, and you just realize, man, I have I have next to zero control over authoring the uh, over authoring the the reality that I exist in. Like I can kind of author my own life, but I can't change the the paper that is written on. That 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 machine is so fucking complicated. I can I can choose a job, but I can't really invent a field. I can choose to be a filmmaker, but I can't invent the industry of film or make it go in a particular direction. I can be part of a movement, but you can't really nine times out of ten you can't really manufacture a movement and um and benefit from it so i just think half the time in order to be able to live you just have to sort of trust in the system that you're going to be able to go to work and the australian dollar won't collapse and the banking system will still be there and the medical system will do its job and you you know all the the, the crime won't all of a sudden skyrocket to 300 percent. so i'm i, I I totally sympathize with that cuz that's I live my life under a similar assumption that the the firefighters will come. Yeah. But okay, but but in the back of my head there's always the sense that but that is not to be taken completely for granted. Because mm-hmm firefighting as a as a concept is relatively young and similar institutions have fallen in the past and so it is right to assume that this one will at some point fall and sure you can say well it hasn't fallen for the last 50 years it hasn't fallen for the last 100 years but eventually you'll uh, you know the guy who's saying the sky is falling eventually he will be right if we all know that the sky must fall if what goes up must come down at some point chicken little is 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 right so i always wonder well how, how do you How do you trust in your system, which is kind of necessary to be able to live a normal human life and decide, you know, I'm going to go to university because that that choice requires uh, trust that four years from now or five years from now, the degree that you're getting um, is going to mean something that you're not going to be living in a nuclear holocaust, you know, fucking wasteland. But if you're if you're too trusting, you end up in the 2008 financial crisis or any of the myriad civil wars that have happened around the world, so on and so forth, because you don't see the writing on the wall that tomorrow certainly is not promised. So that, that's my kind of thinking. But, but do you feel more comfortable in, in not doing that?
1: Yeah, I mean, like it, to me, it seems like a pragmatic mental health solution. So I do recognize that like, all of this stuff is likely possible and in some like, instances, like inevitable. But like, will it benefit me at all to be kind of worrying about all the different disaster scenarios? Like Chicken Little, I didn't think, had many friends. And, and and probably didn't have like a, a very kind of calm, um, serene um, uh, lifestyle going going forward. So like for me, like I've also made conscious decisions like during this lockdown, like to not look into the COVID news all the time. So I've often like I, I suppose come across as being like completely clueless and just being clueless. But it, but there's there's a bit of of intentionality choice. to that where it's like I don't really want to know because I know that I'm powerless. In this situation and i know that like i'm just like a tiny like speck in, in the whole um calculation of it but yeah i guess it seems healthier for me to put my trust in like the hive mind of the people who can influence change in those areas yeah just not worry about it
0: that makes total fucking sense to me and i pretty much would agree with that the only the only danger and I, i'm curious what you think about this but my thinking is I was having this thought the other day that I don't think that any individual or, or it's very unlikely for any individual to, to bring about social change that they will ever benefit from. So you mm-hmm. can, you know, if you're fighting for civil rights, you almost certainly are, never, are not going to benefit from, from that. Yeah. You're probably, it, it'll take a generation before the society that you're authoring will be able to impact your life. So, so most of the, the stuff that we do to write our life is going to be within the system that already exists because we just don't, we just don't live long enough. So yeah in situations like that my reason for being cautious or you know looking for what the danger might be or saying oh the sky is falling is not so much societal change but you know like you if you see a wave coming right you can't you can't get rid of the wave you know what i mean you can't change what the ocean is doing but you can make sure that you've got a board so you as an individual are safe so Sure. The, the two thousand, like, let's say it's it's the, it's the middle of of two thousand eight, and you're, you know, working as a construction worker, um, running like a very large um, contracting company, and you're thinking, okay, well, look, what the finance guys do, or the way these mortgages are set up, is not within my power. Sure, absolutely not. However, the fact that your entire family is depending on an income that, in about six months, is going to drop to zero. That is something that you have the power to, to to prevent impacting you negatively. So that's kind of where my perspective comes from. It's not so much about like, sure, you're Ash isn't going to invent the fucking cure, but Ash can make sure that you know he he chooses a career path that's more likely to to um to survive the pandemic, or make sure that he's got social connections that'll that'll enhance his you know mental health or whatever. In, in any of the preparations that you might do for a world that you can't make any difference in. That, that's my thinking.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean, like, I, I agree with it. Like, um, but, but again, I think it's, it's, a, it's a question of degrees. And I suppose I don't know all of the things that you have, have come up with to, in order to, to, to get your like, lifeboard or whatever. But um, it seems to me to have been, like, if I was to implement all the things that I think that you have been thinking about and maybe putting into practice, I think that would have been, oh, I suppose, like, not worth effort and the uh, uh, mental exertion, and so and that there's a certain element of sacrifice to that, because in the case that I would need that, um, I wouldn't have it, obviously, so yeah, I suppose it's, it's, playing, it's playing the odds uh, um, to a certain extent, so I definitely agree that, that yeah, you, you do need to doomsday prep to an extent, but it is a question of extent, and in this case, um, my decision about like, to what extent has been like, just on the, on the low end
0: yeah i i i pretty much completely agree like i uh i think there's so many doomsday preppers that i look at and go i think that there is something reasonable to what they do but when you sacrifice like the today in preparation for an ever looming future of doom you you end up sacrificing part of your life you only live 80 years so if you're just always prepping for the end of the world it's like even if it fucking comes man like Sure, you're, you've are got 10 years in your bunker, but you wasted the first 40 years of your life saving up for a bunker. You know, you didn't yeah. you didn't go to any music festivals, you didn't fuck anybody, you didn't do any drugs, you didn't have any fucking fun, you didn't, you know, gamble or do anything worth it. At the end of the, the day, I think the guy who, you know, just had fun, fucked off, and then, you know, when the apocalypse came, he just died from Ebola or aliens or whatever, he probably did live his life a little bit better. So it, it is just an, an odds thing. Yeah, it would be yeah yeah exactly man it's you just got to do what it do and let it be what it be and you and you'll 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 may the chips fall where they may um Indeed. but australia is a, a good ass fucking country for that shit like even even me like i've like it's been half prep and half luck but i think for you also it's it's pretty reasonable for you to be like look man like if the government can't help you you probably couldn't help yourself anyway you know what i mean nah, yeah, like maybe yeah. maybe it's not all not, not that strong but if like if if the Australian government is in a situation to where they can't provide for their citizens, because they because they make a, a concerted effort to do so more than than the U.S. with the payments and the Centrelink and all that kind of shit, like what are you gonna do? Take up fucking kickboxing and put some nails in a baseball bat and hope for the best that you're gonna be able to survive the Mad Max onslaught? Maybe, maybe not. So I think it, I think it's pretty good, and I, and I think a lot of countries are probably gonna have to move in the in in the direction of. Something like that, you know, the UBI, the fucking, you know, regular payments in order for us to be able to even move forward as a society.
1: Yeah, and I think, like, I I definitely have, like, a lot of of faith in, in the Australian system. Like, I think maybe from having lived in Kenya for so long, like, I am more cautious and worried about the future in Kenya when we have elections coming up than I am in Australia when there's a global pandemic. So,
0: yeah, it's very and, fucking stable here, whereas... Well, what happens in Kenya when you have elections?
1: Oh, people die. So there's, like, often violence. The last election was kind of seen as a peaceful election, but 30 people died in riots and, and police shootings and all this kind of stuff. So we had, like, the election, like, two elections before that, so there was a straight-up kind of genocide that went on. Um, so, so those are the things that, like, you, you see how thin... Uh, the veil between like you and complete chaos and and, like yeah i i just don't have the same sense and i think maybe it's because of like the enormous like comparative difference that i think that if i'm here like anything is fine as long as it's not what i've kind of seen um elsewhere
0: yeah i think i'm in i think i'm in the same not not that exact boat but like Maybe the other side of that. I've only ever really lived in what feels like relatively stable conditions. But I also think I was... Maybe maybe it's the way I was raised. I I do think that my parents had a catastrophizing sort of prepper kind of a mindset that even if I resisted, it kind of was still in there in the background. But how did 30 people die? Who was killing who?
1: Um, So I believe in that election... I'm pretty sure it was the police killing civilians. I think what was happening... Was um, the current president was re-elected, and when the results came out, the supporters of the opposition candidate took to the streets and started right. rioting. And then, in like their attempts to kind of quell the riots, the police like killed people. And like like often you see these images of like police like just brutally like people with with sticks and like stomping on people's heads and stuff. So I'm not sure like to what extent it was people were like being shot and to what extent was like the beating that they received
0: right so them, them, them getting beaten within an inch of their life and then going to the hospital and dying there rather than being sort of directly killed at a protest yeah yeah okay yeah i mean we have we i'm trying to think american protests even even with all that even with the large number of people i'm wondering if like the protests that would have happened when trump was elected i don't think any people died I mean, I could be wrong, though. I, I literally have no fucking idea. I don't know what the numbers would be on that. I'm, I mean, maybe. But the, the the changeover of power is very, very fucking smooth in the Western countries. Like, Australia, for sure. Like, y'all switch fucking prime ministers like it's nothing. Even even more so than America. Because y'all just go, oh, well, it's an, a new party's in power. Somebody's the new uh, prime minister. Oh, We're going to overthrow him. Cool, whatever. And it's like, in the last, what, five years, y'all have had like 25 prime ministers or some crazy shit like that.
1: Yeah like it, it's wild like and, and to me cuz i have after those two extremes so i have like the the kenyan side which is um whenever a new person comes in there's a genocide and then the other side where it's like People like, oh, wait, we have
0: a new prime minister? <laughs> oh, man, the number of Australians who just, they have no idea who the fuck the prime minister is at the time. Like, not yeah, even, uh, and, and they're you know, intelligent, you know, participating members of society, but they're just like, oh, yeah, I guess was it, wh- who was the last prime Was it Julia Gillard? Oh, no, Kevin Rudd. Oh, was it Abbott? Oh, Nup Turnbull, oh, up, Morse, yeah, Oh, who people was it? They were <laughs> hung up on
1: Julia. Like, like will talk to people yeah. in Kenya, and, and they will tell she me She was like 16 prime ministers ago. The prime ago. minister of Australia is Julia Gillard.
0: Uh, but, well, she, she, she does seem to have been nice, but I think prime ministers and shit is going to be old fucking news because, like, with this last election in the States, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe it's an illusion in my mind because I was also just watching a fucking Jordan Peterson video so, and he was getting in my head, so I don't fucking know if the world is going towards nationalism or if it's a fucking libtard fantasy. I don't fucking know. There's, there's too many voices in either direction and I don't have all the information, but it does seem like the Western white countries are increasingly, with the exception of a couple, um, are increasingly electing more populist, more nationalist, more ethnocentric, more right-wing leaders. That seems to be this it seems to be something like a pattern between the UK, the US, and Australia, for instance, and and I think some of uh, of the EU as well. Is that the sense that you get?
1: Yes, that that definitely is i'm getting okay.
0: now i'm thinking all right is that just sort of the the natural progression of things or is it foreign bad actors and influence from from bigger groups operating in the background because so you know you know cambridge analytica right yeah so do you want to run through your understanding of, of what it is just for anybody listening
1: yeah so from my understanding cambridge analytica is they might have themselves as in like an information maybe data Analysis company um, who, who were involved in Brexit and were involved in the Trump campaign, and so they use services like Facebook to directly target ads and information to like specific like swing vote kind of people. And I'm sure that there's like all kinds of different uh, techniques that they use, but one of the main ones is try and identify people who might not traditionally vote or who who might be undecided about an issue and like cultivate an ad that is um, most likely to influence them in the direction of their clients.
0: Yeah, and what's scary about that to me is that, I think at, at one point the, the way it was explained to me is that each individual, especially as these technologies get better, that each individual voter is receiving a customized stream of data that is unique to them, but that they are unaware is unique to them, And they are unaware of the unique streams that other voters are receiving. Yeah. Yeah. And that decoupling between the information that I receive and the information that you receive and my understanding and and each of our understanding of the information that the other is receiving is very dangerous because in the past, historically, I can go, you saw that sign and I saw that sign and maybe we feel differently about it, but I know that you saw the same sign as me, but. With Cambridge Analytica and what it's able to do is we both look at the same sign and I see one that shows police brutality a white officer killing a black unarmed man and you look at the same exact poster and you see a black criminal killing some white civilian and we both look at that poster thinking that the other person is seeing what we're seeing and then I respond and go defund the police And you're going what the fuck are you talking about man no black lives don't all lives matter not just black lives and then i'm going what the fuck why would you say that and so we're responding to one another on the assumption that we're both getting the same stream unaware of the fact that we're being fed particular sets of images to to lead us to one way of thought and that's what i find very fucking scary and i think could just topple the whole concept of democracy into something that is just we 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 can't fathom what the fuck it'll look like you know what i mean
1: yeah because yeah it it is a scary thought because like there's the the classic example of like we don't have the the 7 p.m news that we all crowd around and see the exact same same set of facts and yeah i mean and it's how people get blindsided by by things like um the trump election and by brexit where people had no idea that such a thing would ever come to pass and then but, but they don't know that there's an enormous campaign targeting Others. So, and then I think most news media outlets do lean kind of left. And so when they're looking at all of their kind of social feeds and everything, they're, they're seeing kind of all um, slightly maybe like left tilted um, ads and, and, and campaign strategies and stuff, and then they are completely unaware of what's going on in the other sphere. And so, and so they're completely blind, and so they can't report on anything to, to the rest of us. And, we're all stuck in our echo chambers and yeah, it's like fracturing down.
0: Yeah. And then we're all totally surprised because like, so for instance, I was trying to look something up and I only just realized that this might be relevant, but I was trying to Google search, uh, something that, that I saw on TikTok, And it's like, it was difficult as fuck. Like the, I, I couldn't find what I was looking for. What I had to do was, search for a hashtag, and then within that hashtag, find a user who I knew had interacted with the video, scroll through their entire feed until I found that video, which then linked to the original video I was looking for. And when I tried to do that through Google, Google just couldn't, it couldn't find what the fuck the video was. And then, so that makes me think, fuck, there is so much information and so many different little streams of data and little pockets of internet that are Either uncatalogued or poorly catalogued or totally inaccessible. Which is then obviously where you get the, the, the five o'clock news where it's like, you know, do you know what your, your teen is doing online? LOL. It stands for uh, licks licks on labias or whatever the fuck it is. And and because we have no concept of what the fuck is going on, because every section of the internet is its own little underground scene, totally closed off from the rest of it. And so there's this alt-right, you know, un- undercurrent, you know, growing in numbers every day that no one is fucking aware of. And we're not even capable of becoming aware of because you can't even you can barely fucking get to it you know if you're if you're cnn or wherever to be and able to cover it or invite these people kind of into the fold and i just i think that that in combination with like increasing artificial intelligence and technology and you know, all that kind of stuff and you know shit stop me if this me catastrophizing again waiting for the you know the sky to fold but it just seems like Like that, that might be what the singularity looks like. It's not some, you know, Terminator, you know, matrix shit where we're all in vats of jelly and, you know, robot skeletons are walking the streets, but it's just a world where none of us lives in the same world and we all are completely separated from one another and I think the president is one person, and you think the president is is another person, and there hasn't been a human president in the White House for 35 years. You know what I mean? Like, that that kind of world.
1: Yeah. Um, on my optimistic side, it, it's kind of sounding like, is that a bad world? Um, I might say because like if we're all happy <laughs> then, then maybe, maybe it's not so bad if if, if we have um man an AI i'm so i'm so glad that president.
0: there are people who are not like you in the world because shit man you just trust everything your government is your government is killing 30 30 people every every election and you're like oh well you know it's only 30 it was 100 last time that's not too bad and i live over here in australia and you know everything's pretty good you 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 are the ideal citizen, I must say. You are the ideal citizen. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think I'd score like really highly on the Chinese um point system.
0: <laughs> I think I think so, yeah. You should you you should have a TikTok. That i am su- I'm surprised that you don't because you will probably do well on there. They'll probably boost you if you just, you know, uh do your promotional vid- videos of the Democratic Republic of China. I think they would like that. Man, I don't I don't
1: like social media. I don't like TikTok. In particular. Oh, not TikTok in particular, but yeah, uh my, my my social
0: media footprint is, is very shallow I don't, I don't dip into that too much yeah i mean that that's your pro- it, it's honestly it's probably good because the shit is addictive in like a weird fucking way like man, the other day and, and it's happened many other days but but this time in particular it felt difficult because i'm you you don't you, you don't leave your house and your time obligations um at least for me because of lockdown, they are structured in a very like Personal responsibility way. And I think everybody is kind of struggling with that, which is that <laughs> if you want to go out, in the past, if you want to go out, your friends are waiting for you. You know what I mean? Or they're at your house getting dressed and they're like, come on, bitch, get, get your shoes on. We, we need to go to the club. Or you've got a boss that if you're late to work is going to call you or, you know, whatever. You, you've got sort of external reminders of what your obligations are. Um, or you've got a gym membership that you're paying for, whatever it is. But with lockdown, we're basically in a situation where. If you want to work out, if you want to see your friends, if you want to do something, if you want to garden, if you want to go for a walk, you are the 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 beginning and end of the accountability for that process. So I try and time block myself where I'm like, okay, at one o'clock, I'm going to do this thing. And so I'm sitting there and it's like 1230 and I'm scrolling through TikTok and then I look at the clock and it's like 1250. And I'm like, okay, cool. My usual go-to is just turn my phone off so I can get some work done. And I'm sitting there, scrolling, and it's like fuck. It's twelve fifty nine. But I'm like, you know what? I can probably scroll for another thirty seconds, and then still get started at one. And then it ticks over to like one o one, and I'm like, oh fuck. Okay, now I'm late. Now I'm fucking up. I'm still scrolling, and and then so I just, it was like it was like like Kill Bill when she you know the scene where she's in the back of the truck and she just spends like six hours trying to move her big toe to like through her own mental (laughs) power overcome her paralysis. I was like, okay. All I gotta do to pry myself away from this phone, which is just giving me a perfect stream of entertaining micro content that is perfectly attuned to my attention span, all I have to do is to muster, I don't have to muster enough discipline to put my phone down or muster enough discipline to say, you know what, no, I'm, I've committed my day to, to working out. I will work out. I don't have to do that because it's, it's difficult for human brains to do that. All I got to do is just will my middle finger, which is sitting on the power button, to just squeeze the side of the phone for five straight seconds so that the phone will turn off. And I do that. Yeah. I turn the phone off and then I go work. And then I just thought, bro, that was like being... That was like being like working on a fucking power socket with a screwdriver and you start getting electrocuted and you you have to use your own foot to push yourself off the wall because your your arm is seized from the electrical current you know you can't you can't pull your arm out and it, it, it just it felt like having like a fucking sucker like a fucking face eater or some shit on your face
1: yeah and no, no, that's what i had
0: to myself off
1: because like so i i feel like I, I i feel like that without some of these things so like at the day like yesterday, I was meant to do all kinds of uni work. Um, but then I got onto the topic of like what halal and haram and makruh mean in, in Islam. And then I'm like, oh, but what, what about those um, delinquent kids in New Zealand? Like, oh, but what about this input um, system in, in China where, um, where, where they type characters and it's like different from how we type in English? And then it's again, as you say, like, yeah, getting into the, into the DMs and haven't done any of the work I, I'm meant to do. And that was purely from, like, Google searches. So if I had an mm. app that was, like, giving me kind of, like, this similar type of, of, of like content that I'd be looking for um, anyway, and, and it's just kind of, like, coming in, like, one, one thing after another, like, I don't think I'd ever be able to put it down.
0: No, and and I totally get that. I don't know what the right balance is, though, because for me, it does provide some legitimate utility. And And kind of like the question that you asked, and I want to get back to it, but you kind of asked this question of, well, is that such a bad government? Like, if if we are all happy living in a in total ignorant bliss of of how the world is actually organized because you know 50 years ago the fucking computers took over they just it just didn't look anything like skynet it didn't look anything like what the movies told us it would look like instead it looked like each of us being sucked into a customized information stream that perfectly yet passively controlled us you know through our own you know volition maybe on tiktok having that endless stream of information is joy like what the fuck what are you doing with your life anyway like you're you're in regular life you're trying to scramble to build some sort of life for yourself whether that's through education or working out or getting a particular job in order to build your life so that hopefully you can relax in certain ways that you feel like you're either accomplishing something or relaxing you're either at home watching TV or you're building something and those are you know maybe like the two main Forms of happiness that we experience, like doing things and experiencing things, most of the time. So, fuck. I mean, what's the point? Why, why, why bother? Like, why do we need to put ourselves away?
1: Well, I think like part of happiness is also like casting away suffering. And so, like in today's world, if we were to to purely just kind of like go into a never ending TikTok spiral, um, from like me personally, like, I think like I would feel terrible because like if I wasn't exercising, for example, um. Like my body would just feel bad, and that wouldn't bring me happiness. I wouldn't be seeing like other people and like interacting with them. I think that that would be like some form of suffering. I would be Mm. knowing that I've been neglecting like different friendships and this kind of stuff. So I think like in in the world where the AI uh, runs us and we all have an individualized um, year of observation of what the world is, as long as we don't know any different and we don't know that we are suffering. In any particular way, that's where I see that being kind of like a more pure happiness. But as long as we are like painfully aware of the ways in which we are suffering, I think that's, that's when it becomes more of a problem. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm grappling with this a bit. I'm not, I'm not sure what the answer is because like it's the idea of like, if you don't know that your situation is bad and you just kind of think that's what's normal, um, you might, I, I think that that is a happier existence. And if you had the exact same existence but knew that there was a better life, we had. But
0: how does that play into this?
1: Yeah, and, and so, like, if, again, we, we lived in, in this uh, kind of AI-led world, and we didn't know that, and, and we thought that everything was, like, really nice and good and everything was fine, we wouldn't have any of the knowledge that it would be better otherwise. Whereas, like, I suppose in getting there, so, like, right now, going down a TikTok viral rabbit hole, we would be aware of, of the ways in which we weren't uh, fully fulfilled.
0: Yeah, I mean, but, but suffering doesn't require purely comparison, right? You can, you, can, you can be living in, like, slavery and have been born into slavery and still recognize that this is unpleasant. Definitely. Right? Yeah. So, and, and maybe it might be difficult for you to conceptualize other but I think even, like, even in our world, like in, in the Western developed world where like things are relatively convenient and relatively safe, I think, and people dream for, cool, I want wealth or I want stability or I want adventure or whatever, and, and those things are still squarely within their reality. They go, okay, cool, I'm going to do a year in India to find myself or I'm going to get my master's or I'm going to start a small business or whatever it is. Those things are all well within sort of the, the blueprint um, for millennial and gen z sort of happiness in the western world but we still are committing suicide or there's still lots of people with a deep sense that they are that they are unhappy and so even if they can't imagine what the other thing would be they're, they're, they're still pretty like there's still lots and lots of unhappiness in, in our society even if we have nothing to compare it to
1: yeah that's true yeah and, and i mean like i feel like that has maybe other causes so i think um if you live a life that if you could compare it to any of the of the, the most glamorous Instagram channels, uh, Instagram handles and stuff, um, and yet you still feel terrible, then yeah, I, I think that there's other things in our society like that have influenced that. Things like maybe lack of spirituality and.
0: Oh yeah, I definitely think the 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 end of of like we're in a position where where meaning is not something that sort of exists ex- externally for 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 many of us. We're. Yeah. We're meant to come come up with that ourselves, and it's a very difficult thing to do. So we're kind of left to do that by ourselves, and it's a next-to-impossible task, so we invariably and frequently fail to do it, and then we're just fucking sad because we were tasked with something that's almost impossible for an individual to do. This idea that, well, nothing matters, but that's okay because you get to decide what matters. Well, fuck, what if, what if I can't? What if I can't decide that me traveling the world is is just as significant as there being a god who's looking out for me or my uh sacred duty to start a family or, or whatever it might be or, or, or my commitment to country or race or whatever it is so you remove that and we have and we have a very dangerous situation for the individual but i guess i guess for me with the being stuck down a rabbit hole thing it's just like Sure. You, you can kind of tell that you're in a bad position because you, you know that you're giving something up. Right. But mm. if, if that weren't the case, if you were going down that rabbit hole, but your body wasn't withering away or you weren't missing those things like friendship or whatever, because the, the, the data stream was, was more fulfilling, would that be any better? Because I'm kind of thinking, like, what are we pulling ourselves away from our phones to do? Like we're we're going from one method of happiness to another another instrument for happiness. Like that's why I pull myself away from TikTok because I'm like, okay, cool. I know that the the, the kind of happiness that I'll get, and it's the same reason I like you know refrain from jerking off and all kinds of things like that because it's like, yes, there will be some joy that that you get from this, but in the long term or over a particular period of time, the amount of joy that you get will will actually be less because you can't you can eat cake every day and then you die of diabetes, you know? Like so so you're. There's short-term rewards, and then there's also like, are these small spikes of happiness versus increasing your general level of happiness overall? So I get that, but I wonder what happens when that's no longer true.
1: Yeah. I think with a lot of these things that, w- that we have with technology, like, they don't feel awesome. I think awesome to me doesn't seem like the right word, where with any of the things we do, like, I'll, I'll come away from, like, like a video call with a friend and and and, like, have, like, a smile and, and like, and feel content like whereas like i've come off like a, a deep rubber hole i don't feel um any sense of like
0: accomplishment or anything
1: It comes to like an aftertaste of happiness like there's none of that it's, it's mm. like the opposite it's like it's, it's feeling like oh i kind of regret having done that and
0: uh, that's a good point there's a difference between sitting in an afterglow with a partner and sitting in a mm-hmm. puddle of your own fucking cum after you've jerked off to something online it's a very different kind of a feeling and i think it's something close to that there's a sense that like that, f- yeah, that, 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 happiness has an aftertaste of, 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 happiness and contentment that the way that I got that happiness felt really good. And I didn't just yeah. like spill dopamine all over my brain. So there's none left. It's like, cool, that was great. And then now it's just sort of s- still slowly dripping or, or sort of, you know, like oozing out o- onto my brain. And so I still feel quite good. Yeah, is, that, like, is that the I idea or but... am
1: I? Yeah, that that makes like makes total sense. And like, I don't know that we can adapt technologies to to give us like the happy, nice, um, kind of afterglow, aftertaste kind of kind of thing. Like, I think that because of the way our brains are structured, like biologically, we associate a lot of those feelings with other people and our interactions with them, um, as well as as things of, of, I guess, physical well-being, and that can be from exercise or from food or from drink and that kind of stuff. So, but I think the primary source is, is other people, and I think that's so hard-coded into who we are that I feel like it's almost impossible to, to have technological systems that can completely replace that or be just as good
0: well that's where I got to fundamentally disagree with you. I mean, I think in terms of inventing an, an an app of the kind that that Facebook, Instagram and and TikTok are, sure I would agree with you, but I don't think there's anything that's outside the the purview of what technology can do. I mean, if we if, if we want to get sci-fi with it or not even sci-fi with it, if we just want to get bleeding edge with it, there's like between machine learning, deep learning and brain machine interfaces like Neuralink. We can just go, what is the section of the brain that feels like fulfillment and just hit hit it over and over again? And we can make a person feel good in a sustained way that would never be possible if we allowed them to author their own life. You know, decide what university they're going to go to and what they're going to major in and who they're going to marry and all this kind of shit. And we're very shitty at it because we're not designed to do it well. We're designed to pursue it in pursuit of survival. Whereas happiness is this sort of like something like this vestigial tail. It's like an evolutionary byproduct of our ability to, to survive and replicate and happiness and joy and fulfillment are these little, you know, mechanisms that tended to work well for that. But we sidestepped that and decided that that's where we want. We want our lives to be committed to that thing. So we're, uh, you know, unsurprisingly, not any good at it. So I'm I'm wondering if that will like, even before we get into like brain machine interface stuff, do you, are you familiar with um the, the, the selfish ledger? The
1: selfish ledger, that rings such a huge bill in my mind, but I can't quite place it. Like tell me.
0: So it was it, it was a internal uh advertisement video from Google, uh which which owns YouTube, and it was basically um, outlining their updated model for what user data would look like and be used like in the future.
1: Yes, yes. And this, this is part of like the, the, the Quantify itself and, and, um, and that kind of
0: space? I think it, you, you could definitely say that it includes concepts of Quantify itself, but then combines within them sort of the, the outsourcing of of goal management almost, which I think is maybe that's the scariest thing. Um, outsourcing of goal management and, and even the outsourcing of, um, I don't know what the word for it would be, but sort of like, like affective decision-making. So like for, for within like modern history, human, like the individual is considered to be the ultimate authority on what brings the individual joy or what's Mm. worthwhile for the individual. So the individual gets to decide once you're of age of majority, you get to decide, I like sex or I like food or I like this food or I like this job and then you are free to pursue that even though everyone knows that nine times out of ten we're stupid as shit with this stuff you're you're bad at choosing partners you choose the wrong ones over and over again you pick the wrong things to pursue in your life and end up dissatisfied sure the system is fucked up but on top of that you as the individual are almost always making the wrong decisions to get to the goals that you actually want. You want to have be a millionaire, but you're spending all your time dropping mediocre SoundCloud rap albums. You want uh love, but you keep uh, choosing abusive, crazy partners. You want fulfillment, but you keep chasing money. But we, we basically just say the individual, the human is the ultimate authority and they, they've got the right to do that. You know what I mean? So the selfish ledger was, and and um Noel Harare, the dude who did uh, Sapiens, he also did um Homo, Homo Deus, Deus and he kinda talks about this stuff. And oh have you have you read it? Yeah. So right, so he so he kinda talks about this stuff with the with, within Quantify itself, which is that what if you have a program that doesn't just help you achieve your goals, but it helps you to better define those goals because it's better at knowing you than you are. So it helps you to select your partner and even understands why you want to select the wrong partner and why that's the wrong choice. And you want to wake up and go for a run, but actually you're very unlikely just to stick with that. So it will be better if you woke up and did yoga. So your free will sort of then becomes merged and muddied with a computer. I don't know if that's a good world, but it it, seems it's, it's scary, but it also seems like it makes sense that, that our ultimate uh, fate is going to be something closer to like the pets of our technology than it is to the tool users of our technology.
1: Yeah. I mean, like putting on my optimist hat again, like that, that seems to me like the remedy to, I suppose, like, like all, all the harm that we did to ourselves in, like, the agricultural revolution, to go back to stuff that um, Harari has talked about, like, so I think when we decided to domesticate wheat and, and rice and yams in different parts of the world, he has an idea that they were domesticating us. So mm. we had wheat who um, wanted to kind of, like, to, to increase the numbers and, and and made humans dependent on it so that... We would be forced to do to, to them. And, and that brought us together into cities, and that's kind of um, led to, to old things going forward. And so I suppose if you have the idea that there was once a time in human evolution where we were content, and then at some point we gained a certain level of like emotional malaise where we don't feel as, as happy or content in our lives, that seems to me like the way out because. And I don't see it too much as like us being like the slave or being like. So I think it it would be more like having a butler to, to a spoiled kid who's like the butler knows that that the, that the kid uh, likes ice cream when he's feeling a certain way, and then and then goes get it from him. Like it's like I I see having a selfish ledger as being yeah more like a butler than having a master.
0: Interesting, yeah. And no, I think that's a that's a perfectly valid way of way of thinking of it, but it just seems like. Your your butler, you, you maybe become dependent on them, but your decisions always impact them more than their decisions impact you. So they have to move around what you do. And maybe our computers w- will do that, but it seems just as likely that minuscule changes here or there could go the other way. and And we could end up in a situation where they're authoring us down a path that we don't want to go. Um, but then it gets kind of nihilistic real quick because then it's like, well, you know, fuck, maybe that's just the next phase of things and human beings are, are done with. And what obligation do we have to future iterations of, of humanity? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And I mean, like, my the, the biggest um, cause of concern that I see would be inequality amongst humans. So if you have a class of humans who can afford, like, when this if this becomes available to technology, it's going to be really expensive. And so you'll have um, the richest people being able to afford to do this kind of thing you have these super-optimized humans who can do all that, and then you have everyone else who can't. And I can imagine, like, the human race, like, splitting down, like, uh, these kinds of, like, evolutionary, like, folks, where, where you'd have, normal um, like, as um, Harry said in the idea of the homo deus, where, where that would be, like, the master human. And that's where I, I see it as being scary, like, I see the dependency as being um, no less bad than we depend on writing, for example.
0: Mm, but it might. But so, so, so it would really only impact the people who, who lack access to it. But then the people who, who who do have access to it, they're in a position where it's like, yeah, sure, maybe they're somewhat the slave to their to their butlers, but their butlers are are carrying them through the world as you know, sort of kings on top of you know horse-drawn carriages or something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I'm not sure what the ramifications of that are, because already, like, we live in an unequitable society, and and problems arise from that. And but but I, I can't. But at the end of the day, we are all still human. But and in the case where you can afford to be one of these kind of like hyper efficient and and hyper productive people that that guys like Jordan Peterson talk about, and you can just like pay like a Google or a Facebook to give you that ability. That's, that's a crazy amount of privilege that you can essentially buy.
0: Well, see, I'm, I'm like, I was thinking about this. So Jordan Peterson versus, let's say, socialists in general kind of bring up this argument of what do people deserve to have and what is the appropriate balance of inequality in a society? Mm-hmm. Would, would you say that that's, a, that that's a fair part of Like that that's one of the underpinning questions of the, the current narrative? Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I kind of think that the whole eat the rich rhetoric and then the pull yourself up by your bootstraps or the libertarian or the, any, any of those rebuttal stances or even the, the, the more moderate Jordan Peterson sort of argument of like we want to focus mostly on alleviating the pains of the poor without punishing success because hierarchies are, are, are natural and inevitable. It, it's not about eliminating hierarchies, but instead um, alleviating the, the worst aspects of those hierarchies but i'm 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 i waver between sympathy to for, for these two points because on the one hand i'm like okay it seems reasonable to say that a person any individual does not deserve to be a billionaire or a fucking trillionaire or whatever i mean because imagine what what a jeff bezos plus some sort of hive mind artificial intelligence fused with him Uh, imagine the level of of efficiency that an individual like that or a group of individuals a a board of member a board of jeff bezos's and his and his clones all working as the board of directors of some intergalactic fucking amazon empire are all augmented by some insane ledger that is purposed only with expand and maximize. What, what yep. might that look like and what, what just astronomical levels of wealth and power and influence might they end up taking on? Sure, that seems a little bit bad. But then once you start to say, okay, well, it's not so much about what the people at the bottom need, but about what the people at the top shouldn't have I don't, know, I don't know that that's that compelling of an argument because one, I don't know that the, what the rich have reduces what the people at the bottom have. Like sure, we can say that the wealth has increased but my wages as a member of the lower middle class have not increased. But with Jeff Bezos being less rich by whatever means, would that have changed that? And I'm not convinced that that's the case. And then two, what I uh, enjoy at my station in life is I don't need I don't need this either. Like I'm living extra extronom- like astronomically luxurious relative to to plenty of people in the world and plenty of people who were in my same like relative position in the past. And I've got no illusions about becoming a, a billionaire or protecting the, the concept of billionaire so that I can one d- day make it too. It's just like I don't know that people not having a billion dollars will somehow assist people who have zero.
1: Yeah. So I I don't think that. The existence of billionaires means that those in the lower class suffer because of that. So, but, but I wonder about potential cases where it might. So, um, in the case where uh, Jeff and Bill and Mark and all these guys are, are superhumans, and and they all decide that um, Earth is too messed up, and they're going to fuck off to Mars and and start a, a new society there, and then have the Earth kind of crumble under the the droughts and typhoons of climate change, for example, and they leave behind all non-augmented humans, that would be a situation where, where, where the advantaged class would, would benefit. And obviously, that's an extreme example. But I think that there are cases where when people have, it causes other people to lack in a certain way. And so, and that could be, uh, because it's usually not the case. So, so often an example that's brought up is, is something like sweatshops. Um, in China or in Southeast Asia in some of these places. And and the idea being that like you get to have your iPhone so cheap because some child has to work in the factories and some mother has to work all these hours in dangerous conditions and this kind of stuff. And I sympathize with that with that point, but at the same time, like what often happens and, and it's definitely not always the case because sometimes in the case of like, the children there can be all kinds of abuse going on. But um is often the case is, is that people have moved away from, like, the rural areas where they're starving um, to go live in, in a city where they make an enormous amount more money in the sweatshop than they do struggling on their farm. And that, like, meager wage enables them to buy, like, a, like a little little neighborhood kiosk or something when they're, when they're older. And then they can kind of move on and... and that should propagate that way, but hmm. but I but I do see some instances where, for example, something like like factory farming, and, and you have, uh, people who want, uh beef or chicken or pork, and in order to get it at a particular price, they do factory farming, and then you have all of these. Like I'm not sure what they're called, but what happens is when you have like a pig um, farm, and they're all kept in their cages and stuff, like water flushes out the farm, or like like the housing area to to clean all the shit and prune and all of this kind of stuff, and that all kind of washes out into these like huge dams, and then it turns pink, and it's like this kind of just disgusting, um, festering pit of pig excrement and, and stuff, and and like they can't do anything with it, and then people in the surrounding environment get disease um, because of like exposure to all all this stuff, and same thing with like plastic um, in factories that wash into rivers and then people get poisoning. I think there are instances where certain classes of people can suffer, and I think we need to be, like, aware of the possible ways that the, uh, that the underclass can suffer if we have an upper class who becomes augmented.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I could see something like that because at some point you... Well, because I'm thinking that it requires like some sort of feedback loop where the wealth of the folks at the top is still somewhat at least in our system is still somewhat dependent on the well-being of the people at the bottom like in order for jeff bezos to have a certain valuation there have to be people who are spending money yeah. at, at, you know they have to be people who, who can buy things and once that machine stops running then then there ends up being a problem but up until that point Everything's fine, but I guess the, the the problem is at some point the inequality becomes so much that people can no longer afford bread, and then you then you run into a problem. Um, but there can be decades and decades of like extreme suffering before that becomes an issue. But then, but then also, I mean, fuck, how do you how do you motivate behavior? And I, I know the whole argument around innovation and shit like that is that either it's the capitalist wet dream that you know free market is what breeds innovation, or you've got the you know fucking gen z socialists who were saying well no innovation like there's no innovation in capitalism which that just doesn't seem compelling either that 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 seems without some stronger arguments that seems almost silly
1: yeah that that doesn't hold any water that that idea
0: yeah i mean i I, i'd I'd be open because i've I've heard some semi-compelling arguments that like things like the iphone were actually a series of stolen ideas um from uh socially funded projects you know so yeah. DARPANET is what is what gave us the internet and touch screens were military technology and this and that yeah. and, and the other and these were all tied together into the iphone but a lot of the technology wasn't initially invented in the private sector i mean
1: like uh, so i see the need for um public technology development but I, but I don't think that means that that's the only way that it comes right and, and i think what often happens is Areas where industry is not equipped to deal with, with an issue, I think that, that relates to things like climate change, where it's not in any company's immediate best interest to develop ways around climate change. That, that needs to be something that I think needs to be kind of a more socialized or yeah, kind of public R&D um, type of thing. Other, other things like where it comes to harm of citizens, so uh, things like, like child abuse and the filming of that, and um, I think a lot more needs to be done with the idea that um, private industry isn't necessarily going to look out for cases where it doesn't directly affect their bottom line. So, for example, like if if, if you ban a user for for posting um, child pornography on their on their site, they what have essentially done is, is given Facebook one less customer. And so, but obviously, like. It's the, I don't think that, that Facebook and the companies like that are thinking in that way, but it's not in their immediate best interest to, to look um, for ways to, to give them fewer customers. And sure, so I think yes. those instances are places where we need some form of, of public technology um, development. I don't know, does that make sense?
0: Yeah, no, that, that, that does make sense. I mean, like with Facebook, I mean... Facebook at this point is is no longer a private organization they're they're, they're more like a, a power company they they provide a essential public utility almost but they but they still are operating as a private startup or something like that e- even though everyone fucking has them and is, and is dependent on them like once you have that level of saturation in the market I think you, you start needing to be regulated the way the, the phone companies and the internet companies and, and, and those get regulated but like you said they, they won't take down lies or things like that like, you know fake news or whatever or Cambridge Analytica was able to do what it did through Facebook mm-hmm. and they're like well it's not our job to fucking regulate things and they're not wrong like it's the job of the government to mandate that
1: they do but then again, like, the government isn't always equipped to do so because, like, like you, you've seen, like, the... the...
0: Are, are you thinking of the Black Mirror episode?
1: No, no, no. I, I mean, when, when oh. Zuckerberg uh, got up in front of Congress or the Senate or whatever, like, those guys have no idea what the hell Facebook is. <laughs> so yeah, no, that's true. I don't no, know how true. they're going to be saying, like, no, you need, to, you need to be implementing this type of language processing and natural language processing in order to, to catch these pedophiles. You need to be no to stop the terrorists doing this, so you need to be—they don't have a clue what like, the
0: Facebook. They case, don't know what the fuck it is. They're like, well, so so what is a Facebook? You know what is <laughs> what is the so what is a computer? You know, well how yeah. do I how do I how do I open up my email on the Facebook? I think that yeah. we need to look into that. There's some suspicious stuff going on in these emails, like I, yeah, I've seen I've seen a few like just old ass politicians. Well, okay, so first of all, th- then then that gets into like problems of government. You know, like mm-hmm. how old. Should the oldest person in government be? Now, I don't think in and of itself age is a good marker, but I think it tends to be. So, maybe it's not an age limiter but it's something like a you know a competency limiter i mean fuck but but then also i mean the government does seem to in some ways be on the cutting edges of certain technology like sure maybe the congressman dude who or or, or lady who's sitting there during the congressional hearing trying to ask facebook about their algorithms for for regulating fake news has no idea what the fuck is going on who uses facebook what it's used for the astronomical size of their data farming or why that's dangerous and has no idea what the fuck is going on doesn't know how to his computer on. Fair. But there are plenty of people within the government who are doing very high tech things and, and pushing things very far forward. I mean, all of what the NSA did was government stuff.
1: They won't be bringing in the regulations, though.
0: Well, I'm just wondering if perhaps they ought to be. I mean, because there's... Mm. I'm just I'm looking for a solution because Facebook isn't going to do it and the people in government who would do it are not tech people, so they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And so how do you have them regulate unless you have a body of people that understand these industries? I mean, but surely there had to have been ways that they did this in the past. I mean, how the hell is the housing market regulated or the finance market? I mean, these are, these are specialized skill sets that require additional knowledge on top of legislative knowledge you have to understand not just legislation but you have to understand well how does a locomotive train work and how fast can it travel and how much coal does it require and how many jobs will it create or fail to create how many will it get rid of and you have to have all of that technological understanding to make a, a, a law about fucking maximum train speeds back in 1860 or whatever the fuck it is yeah. so why is it so difficult to do now
1: but well i guess like one of the problems is that things like trains and all this kind of stuff, like all that technology progressed really slowly in comparison to to the huge leap that happened with um, the income of computers and the internet. And like, so I think now technological advancement is slower than it was with that like extreme boom that came with um, like getting computers and, and getting widespread access to the web. But yeah, I think we haven't caught up. And I think maybe... Once we do catch up to where we are now, and I think it is possible to catch up, so I don't think that it was possible to catch up with where technology was 10 years ago. I don't think that politicians in power, like, so the politicians in power would have been elected in a very different time than when they were in a position to regulate the companies that came to be
0: that is very true i mean th- then it's like okay so do we need do we need limits on ter- term limits because that's i mean we're talking about the u.s context and i don't know how australia works and maybe you know better there but at least in the states there are positions that are held for life which means you have a guy mm. who was elected in nineteen, you know nineteen fucking 50 years ago you have that guy in um still making legislation now in a world that looks almost nothing like the world that he was elected in let alone the the world he grew up in but but the world that he was elected in when he was you know fucking 40 and now he's well let's say 30 and now he's fucking 80 or whatever like something about that is, is is off and i don't know if that means saying you can only run for 10 years or you can only run for fuck, uh, one-tenth of what uh, the, the, the median age is or something like that. Uh, it seems like the only way to, 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 to make better, more informed uh, politicians. That's, that's the only thing I can think of.
1: Yeah, that, that does sound like a good plan. But like at the same time, like, I think the incredible boom in progress has already happened. And that, that isn't to say that we won't have another boom in the future, but it, it is like, like a cob. Booming past you and, and like after it's gone you go hey what about the children what about guys like it's already happened
0: uh, ah yeah, yeah true
1: but but yeah I, I do think that positions for life those ones are scary like I, I don't I don't I don't see the need or even like the the argument I don't even know what the arguments are for having any position for life
0: yeah I don't know what the argument I maybe, maybe you could make an argument for stability or something like I, honestly no I fucking idea I mean I think it, the, but
1: for life Especially because we're living, like, long lives
0: these days. Yeah. No, you know what? You're, 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 you're right. I can't, I, I, the only thing that I can think is that the people who made the laws were the motherfuckers who were getting those positions, you know? Yeah. It, it's, like, it's like when you're the one who's writing the law for your own salary. You go, how long do you have job security for? Oh, about until I die? Okay. And then you just write that down and sign it, and then that's the law. I, I think it had to have been something like that. And everybody just said, yeah, sure, that's fine.
1: Or things like in Rwanda, where you have Kagame, and he's like, hey, I'm going to run for a third time And they like, why are you running for a third time? Oh, because the people want me. Like, I can't leave. How the people want this? Fuck.
0: Man, what, what, what's your take on that? Because I think, you know, when I first started reading about Kagame, I got, like, it, there was a real sense of, like, this guy seems, like, really good. But I'm also, like... <sighs> You, you've heard the phrase that like democracy is, is the worst uh, political system aside from all the other ones, right? Yeah. So I kind of think, well, one of the big lackings of democracy is that it, impl- it implies that there is a readily available supply of, of adequate leaders and that the general population, though ill-equipped to lead amongst themselves, is equipped to select a leader. Now, I think that there's, there's, there's some benefit to the, the idea of feedback that if you have a leader who feels obligated to his population because they're the ones who allow him power, that, that, that means he's a lot like, less likely to betray them or put their needs too far you know, down on the, on the pole. But I'm like, look, if you, get, if you get somebody who knows how to lead a fucking country, I don't know that it makes sense to, to upend that. But then you have the Putins and the so, so I don't know.
1: My take on it is that he has dangerously gambled with his country's future. I think he's making a, a huge positive difference in his country in the present. But I think he, he potentially fucked them in the future. And
0: I, but why is that?
1: So Africa is home to, to many kind of different flavors of dictator. And I think what this has done is, is paved the way for someone else to come to power. And, and again, like in Africa, there's, there's lots of um, complications around tribalism. Like that. So, if you have potentially like a Hutu president come to power, like after Kagame is dead, and and for example, and then he said like, no, we've been living under uh, Tutsi oppression for too long, and then now I rule with my own space, and we're going to do all this kind of stuff. Like, like, Kagame set the president for that being, what, the president is, and so, yeah, I I can imagine there being all kinds of like authoritarian, really bad stuff. happening. I can imagine things going well as well, but I think. opened the door to a lot of risk that didn't necessarily need
0: to be so it's like if i don't know if you've ever read the prince but there's like the idea that one of the problems with governance and like handing over power is that if you have if you have a government that relies too heavily on its head of state as the, the the sort of like keystone that keeps everything in place and if you remove them everything sort of collapses that's a really fucking dangerous way to organize a society. The society should be reliant more so on the system than it is the individual. So it's not so much the president, it's the fact that there is such an office as president and there's the Congress and there's the checks in power and the parliament and blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. And I don't know what uh, Rwanda's government is organized like, but I understand where he's coming from. I mean, the country was not doing well before he came to power, like really not well. So it seems relatively reason like really, really bad. Like, so it seems reasonable for him to go, look, I am the one that saved, saved this country. Not, not a system of organization. You know, it wasn't like the introduction of democracy or capitalism or articles of confederation or a particular constitution. But me singularly as an individual leader is what has made this country taking this country from, A fucking war-torn genocidal footnote in the in the textbooks of western students to a functional developing country that that's a pretty big fucking thing and then he's he seems to be repeatedly saying look i want to step down but i need to have someone in place who can lead like i do seems like a reasonable stance but to your point it's like fuck if if you're looking for a person to take over from you that doesn't make nearly as much sense as looking for a system that, that works and you chop yeah. and change the person and you go, cool, we have created a system that has a, 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 a spectrum of errors. So even if you elect a Trump or, a, or a Boris Johnson or whatever, the, the society can only move, but so much in a given period of time. And, and uh, yeah, and I think that there's something useful about that.
1: Yeah. And like, I, I, so my hope is that as soon as possible, like he- put things in motion for him to be irrelevant as an individual human. And, and, and as you say, for the system to kind of take things from there, because, like, yeah, as, as you said, like, like Rwanda is in like such an extreme position where it's facing all the same colonial hangovers that all the African countries are dealing with, but coming out of like one of the worst genocides in human history. Yeah, it, like it's warranted to have a guy come in and clean it, everything up. So. That's why like I can't I don't fault him very much I just, and that's why I think like what he's done is more potentially dangerous than an outright bad thing so it's, it's, it's a lot, like easy I think to be maybe like a George Washington type of character to be like oh I'm gonna step down uh, and not not continue to rule forever um, because there was already a certain unity in the country
0: yeah there was a sense that things things were not like I didn't I didn't save the country I led the first you know we we were already well you know then again fuck I'm no historian I don't know what America was in but it wasn't it wasn't in genocide you know what i mean like if yeah. it, if this was like post civil war you know, like if, if if this is Abraham Lincoln, I could see a, you know that person being in a position like, yo, we almost fucking broke up. We that yeah, I think the American Civil War is probably closest because it, it was I think it was one of the deadliest wars in American history, if not the most deadly. Like the number of Americans who died in it because we were it, it, because both countries were America, you know, and so everybody yeah. who died counted as, a, as an American death, um, and the country almost split into two, and then one side lost and was reannexed. That could have been a very, very difficult thing. But the system of leadership was already in place. And the country that annexed the loser was the initial country. And if it had been the other way around or if it had been two countries or the the system had been relatively new, it would have been a totally different situation. Whereas like George Washington, I mean, they they just they they threw a revolution and then started their country closer to like a Haiti or something like that, which didn't fucking do very well either. So, fuck, I I don't know. I don't know.
1: But yeah, I think I think that is like a testament to the system where like you've had this system that's, oh yeah it's been, it's been working pretty well and then like you put it through like the most extreme stress test you can imagine and it comes out still kind of working with, with like all the problems that it might have had. I don't think we have very many models to look to, look to when you're creating a new system straight off the heels of one of like the biggest tests your science.
0: Yeah, I guess. The questions that we're asking here are of the most difficult kind like we're not surely not going to fucking solve these because the smartest minds ever have been tasked with trying to figure out how to how to run a country i mean I, you know i sit here sometimes and i think oh, i could totally run a country that, that that shit seems doable like just you know fucking make tech, taxes less and you know and then make taxes more you know and then it's fine everybody's yeah. got money and nobody has It'll too much out. money you know
1: it will be These fine. Current politicians but are such idiots. They don't know what they're doing. I could do a much better so job. They're so
0: fucking goddamn stupid. Why don't they just? Why can't make everything free? Why isn't everything just free? That would be way easier. Why are we paying for stuff? Somebody makes it, then I have it. Easy. People are hungry. Why don't we make food? We got food. Just give them the food. What, what, what is all this uh, economy stuff? It just seems overly complicated. Simplify all of that shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> tear down tear down the buildings. Um, as a matter of fact, kill all the criminals. Well, who counts as criminals? I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll just kill all the people who look like criminals. It'll be fine. You know? And that's how we organize society. And then obviously, you know, then it's all figured out. Everything's fine. But at the same time, I'm very sympathetic to a Kagame or, a, or a authoritarian leader who seems to, to be maintaining the interest of his people or her people because I could totally see Jacinda becoming uh, being like I'm not, I'm not leaving I'm not fucking leaving you know what I mean I'm not stepping down from this shit you know what
1: I'm not leaving I'm not leaving I'm not fucking leaving yeah so he, so he's still in his honeymoon dictator phase like I'm hoping that he stays <laughs> he, but he's, 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 does, he's edging he on it though he's easily. he's like, he will be one of the greatest African presidents. And, but, like, if he doesn't, if he goes the route of, like, a Mugabe or one
0: of these of guys, yes. it's not going to be good. I mean, why doesn't he... Uh, it, it seems like, I mean, again, there's me thinking I could solve the problem. Why don't he just step down and become vice president? You know what I mean? Like, maintain high, high levels of influence, but give up the title. You know? And then see if somebody else can run. And then, you know what I mean? Like, like at least, at least give up some power. That that seems like it would be like it would be a good starting point.
1: Yeah, that, that sounds a bit Putinish. Right? It's like, oh yeah, I'm going to be president for, um, I'm going to be prime minister for for two years, and then I'm going to come back. But, but, so I, I, I see uh, some problems with that as like, cause I can imagine if you're your president and your vice president is Kagame, like you, are essentially a puppet. I think at that at that point. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, but I, I, I agree that that he he could probably find a way of remaining, uh, yeah, having some kind of influence, but stepping back. I guess the reasonable fear in
0: his mind surely must be, there is not margin for error here, you know? Like if if, if Barack Obama goes, you know what, I I wanna quit being president halfway through, it's still fairly certain that the that, that even if the economy kind of collapses, it'll still be a major superpower. Everyone's not going to die overnight. the The infant mortality rate is not going to fucking skyrocket. The birthing rate is not is not going to plummet. Um, the dollar is not going to lose total international value. The entire healthcare system won't collapse. There won't be mass unrest. There won't be a nuclear explosion. The internet will still ma- manage to work. There will be clean water in most states and most cities. There will be electricity available and internet available, even if he's not president. Whereas I think Kagame ha- ha- surely has to be in a position where he's like, yo, within my lifetime, this country was fucking ruins, and now it's not. If I step a centimeter wrong to the left or right, what is a country of peace and internet could become a country of starvation and murder. And I'm all that stands in the way of that. And he's not wrong. Like, Obama is like, look, I was born, I was born in an America that functioned. Sure, there was, a, there was major op- oppressed classes. Black people were in, a, were in a terrible position at some point, uh, at several points in history. But for the last, like, 200 years, it's been arguably functional. Yeah. Whereas Kagame is like, look, man, I, if I fucking step down and somebody else's president and they fuck this up a little bit, China comes in, boom, we're not an African nation anymore. We're a Chinese uh, colonial state or um, capitalist um, w- Western influence destroys our fucking infrastructure. You know, like it could be a million fucking ways for your thing to just go off the fucking cliff. And uh, yeah, how do you develop a confidence that the country can lead itself forward without doing something like a Putin? Can't just step down all at once. That that seems almost more dangerous.
1: Yeah, I, I said as you said, these are like some of the toughest issues. So, yeah, it, it's 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 kind of pretty obvious that like there isn't like such a straight cut answer.
0: Yeah, I don't know, but you know what? I do want a straight straightforward answer to. I I, I asked my uh, my boy Alvin about the the vaccine. Uh, did you? So so you heard that they're maybe getting close to this thing, right? Yeah. So this brings up this little question that I had in my head, maybe again, conspiratorial, but on the news, they were like, so we're getting close to a vaccine for COVID, right? And while Scott Morrison is trying to decide how to incentivize uptake of the vaccine because they are aiming for 90% or upwards of 90% inoculation before they consider Mm -hmm. it a success. Now, the prime minister cannot that was a word that the news commentator uses cannot mandate um, getting the vaccine. But what they can do is strongly incentivize and penalize strongly incentivize getting it and strongly penalize not getting it. So what that might look like is. You cannot go to a bar, restaurant, hair salon, gym, use public transport, have people over your home, or travel domestically or internationally if you do not have proof of vaccination. Yeah. Now, that is not unusual, right? Many many countries have, have things in place like that already. That's, that's already been a standard. If you go to a particular country or come back from a t- particular country, there are very strict rules about what vaccinations you need to have had now most of those are framed as for your own safety but they're very much governmental safety it's very much you didn't get this you can't go to that country unless you show us that you have do in fact have that vaccination you just came back from that country there has to be proof here otherwise you cannot re-enter australia or whatever um but having to say hey look i got the vaccine so i am allowed to go to this bar this club this gym whatever that is interesting because I totally think that they could just make it law and go, you know, if you are if you a citizen, you must get it. I know they say they can't, but I feel like the whole, the past six months has been just a, an expression of all of the new powers that the government can and, pre- and arguably must take on in order to, to, to combat a situation of danger like this.
1: Yeah, it surprises me that they're saying that they can't. Like, that, that seems like, like in my mind, what has always been the plan is that as soon as the virus... Uh, vaccine comes out, it's like the government says, "Okay, yep, everyone, fill up." I didn't, I didn't realize that it was like they'd have to be like, "Guys, please, 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 get vaccinated." I didn't think that was the case.
0: Well, yeah, that, that's what I'm kind of scared of, in fact, because I kind of feel like. Well, yeah, it just seemed it just seemed dishonest because it's like I'm, I'm sitting there watching like a, like a put upon house husband whose wife is like, OK, well, I guess we can watch the football game. And he's like mutters to himself. Yeah, you're goddamn right. And she says, what would you say? And he says, nothing, honey. You know, <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm sitting there watching the TV go. Yeah, the, the prime minister can't tell you to, to get a vaccine. And I'm, I'm at the grocery store listening to that at a podcast and going, yeah, they don't fucking run us. Oh, shit, it's seven fifty eight. I got to get home. You know? Like, they've yeah. already taken ultimate control of every aspect of our life that would have been previously considered well beyond the powers of the government to go, you run a hair salon, you can't do that anymore. you got to be inside your house. You can't go out with your friends. You can't have your friends over. If they can do all of that, like, the <laughs> vaccine seems like, you're, wait, they can't do that? What law is there that says that?
1: So, so do you see, um, okay, so if the case comes out, the, the vaccine comes out and tests it, like, we're pretty sure that it all works. And the government says, okay, we're not, we can't force everyone to do it, but essentially your life is going to be very difficult if you decide not to. Do you yes. see that as being effectively the same as having banned it, and they're just being a bit kind of manipulative in how they're framing it?
0: Um, no, I don't think so. I think, I, th- I think it's real, real fucking close, but it's a, it's a important distinction. Like there's one thing about strongly incentivizing something and there's another when it comes to denying someone's bodily autonomy totally. You know? You can can totally say, hey look, if you wanna drive, you must have insurance. That's legal, cool. It's another thing to say you must drive. You're not allowed to bike or you're not allowed to, you can't opt out of society. What it would require is military people coming in to drag you out of your home and get you vaccinated, and/or throw you in jail for the, the for the unvaccinated. But then again, maybe it wouldn't be that strong. I mean, even if you do mandate it, you know, it, like Australia in general, they seem to be pretty obedient, and most most punishment seems to be in the form of fines for nonviolent behaviors. You know, like even with all of this stuff, I think there's been very few people. I mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like there's been very few people who have been imprisoned. It's mostly large fines. So it would probably look something like what happens when you don't vote. Because uh, there's several people in our circle who have consistently not voted, even though voting is a mandatory, mandatory obligation of citizenry. You just go, fuck it, I'll just pay the fine. So it might be something like that. But I,
1: I haven't heard about that. Heard about what? Uh, people doing that.
0: Yeah, well, mostly black people, but yeah.
1: Niggas um, don't vote, I'm sorry, I don't know. But, I mean, like, I, I mean, I, I see the the response of people in Australia is being, like, as you said, like, they're relatively um, compliant with, with the rules. And so, but I think we, at the end of the day, fines, and I may be wrong about this, but a fine only works if people pay the fine. Like, isn't the punishment for not paying a fine that you will, like, that the punishments will increase? And that at the end of that chain of, of increasing punishments that you can be jailed?
0: yeah but also that implies that they like so for instance with not voting the fine and its escalation in and of itself are the punishment it's not a fine pending your 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 still mandatory compliance you basically are paying to not have to comply so if you don't vote the voting comes and goes they can't say look you have to pay a hundred dollars and go back and vote and then we'll recount them and re-elect a prime um a majority party or whatever right so mm-hmm. yes, they do escalate, but if you pay the fine, then your crime is essentially annulled.
1: But what so, I mean is like, it's, if you don't vote, you receive your yeah. fine and then you don't pay your fine.
0: Yeah. Then, then I think eventually, I think, yeah, I think eventually maybe you could, you could be jailed, but, but, I, but, but I'm not even sure of that. I actually, I, I don't know. I know for some things you could let that, you could let that fine just escalate and you would never be jailed.
1: Okay. Yeah. So if that's the case, then, then that's, somewhat different thoughts um, in my head, but if it is the case that an increasing um, uh, so that if you don't pay fines and maybe the fines keep increasing that there is um, imprisonment at, at the end of that chain, then mm. I think it is effectively the same thing and you just need a society with like enough social capital to trust the systems in place for people to just at the end of the day pay their fines. And like I feel like that's a similar thing with a corona vaccine. It's like you're somewhat try. Even if like if, if it's a fine, or if it's preventing you from, from doing things, like you're relying on the social capital you have with your people that they will do the right thing and get the vaccine.
0: I'm trying to think what other, like what levels of freedom are most of us allowed? Because a lot of a lot of the freedoms that we're allowed. Let's let's say if we're talking about America, a lot of the freedoms that we're allowed are very much within the context of our participation in the system. Our expectations of freedom still have to be tempered by the fact that we are maybe not entitled to the fruits of civilization so you pay taxes because you get income or because you own land or because you have a job and you get vaccinations because you travel or you're in public schooling Um, you get car insurance because you have bought a car that was subsidized by loans you so on and so forth right your freedom is restricted to the extent that you participate in society but if you decide to grow your own berries on a plot of unowned unmarked land in the middle of the forest I think you can get pretty close to total non-intervention from the government. I mean, I could be wrong, but I, but I think you would get something like that. So maybe I don't have too much of a problem with it, with a mandatory vaccine. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how I feel about it. It just seems the visual of it seems very dystopian because I can imagine an adult being held down and, and given a vaccine, which, you know, fuck maybe fair enough. Maybe that seems reasonable, but something about it just seems a little bit off.
1: Yeah, I think I agree. Like, I also find it just a bit interesting how, like, the argument "my body, my choice" type thing—you can use them in both, like, the usual kind of pro-choice setting, which is which is abortion, uh, which is typically held by people on the left—and then you have issues like um, vaccines or, or even things like masks, for example. And that becomes, yeah, "my body, my choice" as being as being a thing set on the right. And I just find it funny that they're using the same justification. But Fair. I think exactly like I again thinking. with with vaccines and, and with the specific it, it, it doesn't seem to be that bad of a of a disease. I'm sure that enough people will like voluntarily get the vaccine to the point where you won't need uh like much mandating. So like I, I can yeah. imagine like very specific places, like you're not allowed to go into a hospital. Well not really. You're not allowed to be a visitor maybe um at a hospital if you don't have your vaccine you're not allowed to go to um, old people's homes you're not allowed to like specific places you're not allowed to go but, it, but I, I'm not even sure if we should go as far as to say you're not allowed to go to the gym and restaurants and all this kind of stuff but I do think that people will be compliant to
0: that yeah as you're saying it I'm like you know what this doesn't seem too unreasonable I mean well at least based on the precedents, I mean, because it's like we, we, the whole society is fucking shut down um for these reasons so you go okay well look the gym the restaurants there's tons of spread because of this if we want to prevent this we got to have almost everyone completely inoculated from this if we want to wipe it out which is what we did with smallpox um and so you have to have these this big big push to get everybody on the census 90 percent plus vaccinated but yeah i wonder if people are scared off because i was i was at the i was at the bunnings the other day and Mm man the experience was fucking dystopian like just 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 a little bit but something about the fact that like have you ever gone to um any kind of building that's like official so it could be the dmv could be signing up for registration for university could be going to the, the hospital the dentist anything like that where you sort of get swallowed up in a bureau- bureaucratic machine the parts of which you don't understand and yeah, so yeah. Th- this institution instructs you own everything about reality once you set, set foot in their doors or wherever mm-hmm. the, 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 their sort of like domain is. And yeah. you don't know where you're going. You don't know how this process ends. You don't know what to expect. You don't know what comes next. You don't know whether or not they're lying to you. You don't know whether or not they have your best interest at, in heart. You just know that they're the authority and they said, hey, stand in this line and wait for a moment.
1: Yeah. And then you do.
0: And then you do, and so there was there was something about the I was just picking up like some light bulbs and shit. But there was something about that experience that felt a little bit like that, because this is the first time I'd done click like uh, post COVID click and collect. So usually I go to Bunnings and I I know what to expect. It's like every other hardware store I've been into, and I've been in them since I was a kid. So I've got I've got a framework for what that experience looks like. You come in, maybe there's someone who greets you, and then there's a bunch of aisles and you are free to roam those aisles to find the thing that you want. Then you go up to the registers, which are clearly marked, and you buy those things and you leave. It's relatively simple. It's easy to know what the process is going to look like. You're not surprised by anything. And so I can understand why people like, wait, I have to wear a mask? Like, this, this, I, I don't like this change. And I, don't, and, and I don't like that I wasn't consulted in this change, that mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed to, to, to choose if this is going to be a thing, if you, if you go, Hey, look, we're going to need to put this in place. We're letting you know six months ahead of time. If you want to cite your grievances, fine, fair enough. But instead one day you can't get light bulbs without a mask. I can, not me, but I can understand why others would have, would take issue with it. We get in there, we go into a car park and there's actually a COVID test site under there. They've got the, the, the staging lights up and they've got a theater where they've got people driving their cars through. They're doing stuff. I take a picture. We get into the line. And we're waiting for one of the Bunnings employees to come up. Then I hear a knock on the door and I'm thinking it's one of the Bunnings employees telling me, Hey, um, we, what's your order number so that we can, we can find your package of stuff. And it's all, the whole thing is already a little bit spooky because it's happening in an underground parking garage. And something Mm -hmm. about that is always very X files. But the, the girl in, in the fluorescent vest is like, I think I saw you take a picture. I saw you have your phone out. You're not allowed to take pictures unless you're part of the press. And I was like, Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't take a picture. Now that was a lie, but You know, because I'm thinking she's not going to fucking check my phone because I'm I'm going to stir up a a, you know have a fuss about that if, if she does, and she's like okay cool leaves, but I was just like fuck something about that is a little bit weird like there's a government operation happening underground while I'm trying to pick up light bulbs that I took a picture of and was immediately chastised for doing so, and then this employee goes show me your order okay cool pull around to the side and wait. And then we just wait indefinitely. We're just waiting in the parking lot, and then somebody comes up and goes, "Are you this order number? Open up your boot. We're gonna put your items in the back, and then we leave." And I remember when I first came in and I saw the testing side. I was thinking, "Fuck, are they gonna force us to to test ourselves when, like, in order to get our light bulbs? Like, I, that that seems to, seems totally plausible." But the whole thing just felt like I don't know what the steps are involved here, so I just feel lost within the process, and that was scary.
1: Yeah, like, but, well, I mean. On the one hand, I, I feel like there are two things going on. There's, there's there's one, the fact that it's just a very different thing, which which seems just like, on face value, to be expected whenever you find yourself in a new environment, which seems to be what this is. Um, but the other side of it is is the uh, like somewhat extreme uh, coerced compliance about what kind of rules there were. So, like, usually if, if it's, like, I'm going to get my passport and it's, like, okay, so put that counter, get your things stamped, and then wait in that line, what is effectively happening is you're being told, like, do not go in front of all the people who are waiting before you. Wait after them so that they go before you. So like, you're being, like, forced to do a thing, essentially. But then when it, when it comes to, like, different types of coercion in, in what you can and can't do, so, like, don't take pictures or don't do this and this, like that kind of triggers some sort of thing like, hmm, I usually can do this, but this, yeah, so I'm not, I'm not sure, but like, like, what kind of activities, when they are prevented, make us feel like somebody's perhaps misusing their power?
0: Yeah. I wonder what, it, because I mean, if I went the second time, I might not feel so weird, you know, I mean, I think it's probably what people felt like the first time they walked into a grocery store and saw a self-checkout thing. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just old. Maybe it's just older thinking. But no, I mean, sometimes not all change is good. So I'm not I'm not sure. Yeah. I I, I have no idea. I mean, maybe, maybe it was just like my initial response and the anxiety created by the fact that I saw the testing site. And the first thing that came to my mind was I am going to be asked to take a test. And that prospect was scary in and of itself. So then I was just on edge the rest of the the time. Because I think something about getting a test seems a little bit scary because the rhetoric around the testing seems so almost punitive. You know what I mean? It seems almost, almost semi shame-filled. Like when I when I hear the the press conferences, it feels a little bit like testing positive is a crime or something. Yeah, Not, yeah. not, not exactly, but it feels criminalized in a way that if you are sick,
1: you're morally bankrupt.
0: You're morally bankrupt because it, because one, it means that you fucked up. Yeah. Two, if you continue to be sick and fail to, to show up or, or fail to get a test, which and this is totally reasonable, but if you fail to get a test, you now have committed an, a, a second crime on top of your initial crime of getting infected in the first place. Um, that, that, to me, seems a little bit like... Scary, you know what I mean like cool if you if you get tested positive, then what happens? Well, from what I've looked at, it seems like well you immediately essentially go onto a tracking list, which is understandable why they have to do that, but it just seems very criminalized, so I think something yeah. about that well, yeah kind of kind of scared me off as I was hearing it, so yeah, um but yeah look man i think I think we can we can draw it to a close unless you got any uh, any other point um you know philosophical points you want to make about technology or anything like that
1: that's so cool. we we haven't really come to any of the world's uh a- any answers to world's problems, but I mean that's always fun to talk about
0: that's right. next time you know what I mean I think we probably just needed another half hour and we probably would have knocked them all out but in the meantime we were real fucking close bro we
1: were close we were so close we could have solved world hunger what government should look like
0: the Rwanda situation was fucking sorted you know information technology and privacy done maybe you know what maybe we could uh, hit two birds with one stone on one of those you know what I mean like what if we just made Kagame the president of the world that might solve all of those problems yeah <laughs> thanks for coming by man thanks for thanks for talking to me and, and shit um i'll see you on 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 uh, on tuesday for, for the usual hangs and um look i mean i guess this has been waving the red flag so i mean i guess i can say the usual things about who's waving what and where they're waving it and whether or not you're actually the one waving things but i feel like this was almost like a little mini uh tech talk episode so we'll just call this um waving the ted flag <laughs> there we go oh. <laughs> there we go <laughs> Perfect, perfection, well done. All right, bye everybody. This has been waving the, the TED flag. goddammit. it. Peace, sayonara. See you in the future.
1: It's a red flag.
0: K coming through in the in the clutch. <laughs> Just oh my goodness.
1: That gave me all kinds of like, kinds of shivers. That was ooh, <laughs> you've been we've been fans this whole time. Just waiting to release that bombshell. Yeah, yeah, just waiting to get sued by whoever runs Ted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.